Jerry York taught me so much. We get out to Denver in a tournament. It went to a shootout. Jerry turned to our senior manager. He said, hey, Tim, who are we putting in the shootout? And I'm looking at Jerry saying, what are you doing here? He goes, Tim runs the shootout. It's his call. He picked the five guys. We wound up winning the shootout. He would empower other people and let them make decisions. That was UConn men's hockey head coach, Mike Kavanaugh. He joins us today on this episode of RinkWise. Welcome to RinkWise, the premier hockey podcast in New England, produced by the New England Hockey Journal. I'm your host, Stephanie Wood. We're thrilled to introduce today's guest in our recent Hockey Journal cover story, Mike Kavanaugh and his thriving UConn men's Division I hockey program. Mike, welcome to the show this morning. Stephanie, thanks for having me. So, Mike, let's get right to it. So your team is red hot to start this season, coming in at 4-0, which is, in fact, the best start in program history since 1975. And picking up, of course, right where you left off from last year. So how is the mood this morning down in Connecticut? Well, the mood's great. It's a Tuesday before a big series against Ohio State. So we still have a lot of work to do to get ready for them. But certainly we're excited to be 4-0. And our goal now is to put in the work to be 5-0. That would be great. And, of course, Ohio State, that's a tough opponent. And I'm sure lots of preparation going on this week to get ready for them. Yeah, they are really well coached. I know Steve Rollick pretty well. He has built a great program there. And they have Bruins draft pick Mason Lowry on defense, who's outstanding. They've got a terrific goaltender in Dobes. Some really good players up front. Jake Wise, who is a BU transfer, is playing there now. And Travis Treelore. They're very, very skilled. They play fast. They're going to present a tremendous challenge for us. That should be a great test, and it might be, must be such just a great feeling for you that during your tenure here with UConn and leadership and, of course, all the hard work and dedication that you've put into the program, coming off of the brink of last year, Hockey East Championship, TD Garden, of course, just coming up just short, 2-1 to one to UMass. How special is it to you to see just how far your program has come? It's great, and sometimes it took some time this summer to kind of reflect and see where how far we've come, but... Unfortunately, you get back into it and you always want more, Stephanie. And uh, I feel like we're on the precipice of great things. We just haven't accomplished them yet. And there's a lot of work that goes into it to accomplish those goals we have of making a national tournament and winning a Hockey East championship. That sounds amazing. And I think just just the qualities of great leadership and I think a true testament to your outstanding coaching ability to really show such great improvements almost every single year with the program since you've been in charge. Yeah, thank you. One of the goals I had when I came here was that I wanted to build a program that wasn't, I've said a a bunch of times, a dot-com. Someone who maybe wins a championship and then falls off and they're irrelevant for five years. I wanted to build a blue chip company and one that's consistently competing for trophies and just doing all the right things on and off the ice. And we have showed, it takes something, remember when I went to Boston College and so they had six straight losing seasons, which is unheard of when you think about that at Boston College. But at the time, they had great facilities and they had tremendous tradition. And we didn't really have either one of those here, and we had to build it. As far as when I say the hockey program's been around for a long time at UConn, but not in Hockey East. It was it started as a Division Three program and then moved up to Division One without scholarships. And then they made the commitment to fully fund the program when we moved into Hockey East. So that tradition was not there, and our facilities weren't quite up to par. They will be very shortly. So it's been 
it's been a long process, but it's also been rewarding. No, that's great. And I think a good segue because we do want to talk more about your background prior to UConn. And of course, I have a long list of great highlights with your UConn hockey program that we do want to talk about. But before that, I think it's very interesting to learn more about you and your background. And of course, coming into UConn, spending 18 seasons prior with one of the most successful coaches and programs in the country with Jerry York and Boston College. And uh, during your time there, you were a huge part of that success. Just for example, 30 NHL players, two Hobie Baker winners, and of course, four national championships. So how did that mentorship and the experience that you had there really kind of launch you into the path that you're currently with now with UConn? Yeah, I just think it was a experience that not many other coaches get to enjoy. One, being able to work for Jerry York. He taught me so much. He gave me my first job, actually, out at Bowling Green. I was his graduate assistant at Bowling Green in 92, 93. And then I worked, he helped me get a job at Dartmouth College where I worked for two years. And that was valuable too, because I really got to cut my teeth in the recruiting world. I spent a lot of time on the road. Then when he hired me to Boston College, it was a great challenge. Like that was a storied program that had fallen on hard times. And as I alluded to earlier, and we were able to, when, let me see, probably my third year there, I believe, we played for the national championship and in 98, or maybe my fourth year, we played for the national championship. And it was an incredible experience. And then from that point on, we were able to maintain it and go to a lot of frozen fours and win some national championships. But working for Jerry, it really gave me a foundation of how to be successful, I think, in college hockey. And it can't just be about X's and O's. It's, it's got to be about molding the, the whole individual on and off the ice. I think that's when you get the most out of people and letting them understand that to be a successful hockey team, that you need everybody involved, whether it's your managers, whether it's your fourth line guy, whether it's your power play first line guy, Everybody has to understand their role and do it to the very best of their ability. And that status isn't important. Everyone has the same status. It's just understanding your role and accepting it. And Jerry was a master at that. And it was really a lot of on the, on the job training I got for 18 years that helped, helped me tremendously when I got, became a head coach. That's a great bit of advice and obviously just a, a, a really neat story on mentorship and, and friendship. And I think that's a really great point because we talk a lot about coaching in, on this show and we, we talk about coaching at all different levels, whether it's youth, college or pro. And Mike, I would say for a lot of people as they get more experienced with coaching down the road, Maybe an area that they grow in and learn in the most, I think you just made a really great point that to really have long-term success, to really involve every member of your team. So every, every person on your team, every staff member has a very important role. So for example, if somebody is a fourth liner or if not, maybe not even the lineup, they have a very important role at practice, at developing and, and working maybe your power play unit or what have you. So if you want to just maybe talk a little bit more about that, like that, I think is just such a great point. And it's, it's just such a, I think a key thing that the most successful programs have in long-term success as well. 
I get a great story about that. I remember Jerry, as I said, used to incorporate everybody in the team. And he was, his managers were really important to him as well. And the senior manager would kind of run the shootout that you would do before uh, the last practice before a game. You'd always have a shootout and have a champion and the senior manager would run it. And he'd make all the rules and present the belt to the person who wanted it and those types of things. And we get out to Denver and this was before, this was in the old school overtime where you played five minutes of overtime and then it was either a tie or you got a winner. But we were playing in a tournament and if it was tied after the five minutes, it went to a shootout to determine who would be moving on to the next round. They they couldn't afford to have a 20-minute overtime. You never know how long it would go. So sure enough, we get to the shootout. And I said, Jerry, who are you going to put in the, who are we going to put in the shootout? And he turned to our senior manager who was on the bench and he said, Hey, Tim, who are we putting in the shootout? And I'm looking at Jerry saying, what are you doing here? He goes, Tim runs the shootout. It's his call. Give me the five guys you think should go in the shootout. And sure enough, we wind up winning the shootout. He picked the five guys. We wound up winning the shootout. It just taught me a great lesson of he would empower other people and let them make decisions. Now, I think if the kid picked uh, a guy who had never scored a shootout goal in his life, he might have overruled them. But it was a, it was an interesting lesson for me that, hey, your, stre- your strength coach is your strength coach. Let your strength coach do their job. Whoever's running your power play, let them do their job. Don't overcoach them. Give them the autonomy to make decisions and fail. I think that's important too. You're going to fail at times and learn from those failures that will make you better and that was one of the things I really learned from him. So I try to kind of manage the same way and give the people in my on my staff the autonomy to do their job without micromanaging them. Oh, that's great. What what a great story that is. That's just, that's awesome. And so refreshing, I think, to as well here. Fun, big component, I think, to any successful team. Again, no matter what level, Mike, would you agree that you, the guys need to have fun? No matter what, whatever level, pro, college, youth, if you're not having fun on the ice, then you're just not going to get the best results that you can. Yeah, there's always an interesting dichotomy between fun and hard work because I think you can have all the fun you want in practice, but if you're not winning games, it's not fun. So, or, or, or showing signs of success. And I think that in order to be successful as a program and, and win hockey games, there's a lot of hard work that goes into it. There's a lot of tough love. There's, a, there's things, I always say, how you do anything is how you do everything. And no one loves to take pucks around the boards or no one loves to play puck protection with a defenseman hitting you in the back. But those are little things that you have to do throughout the course of a week time and time again. Tom Brady has to take snaps from the center repeatedly to become very good at it because a fumbled snap can cost you a game. So all those little details, and they think that that's that's not that big a deal. I don't need to work on that. You do. You have to work on those little details to be successful. And I think that's where when you can do that and you work on those little details and then you find success, that's when you're having fun. Attention to detail. Yeah, so important. And and I'm sure with Jerry York, it sounds like you guys are great friends and he must be so proud of you. And do you guys still keep in touch now? Yeah, we're keeping in touch more than ever now that he's retired. So <laughs> we did. We, we, we did 
fairly, even when he was coaching at BC and I was here, we would probably talk once a week about different things to, but now it's, it's more than that. And yeah, he's like a second father to me. I said all along, he just was a fabulous, for me, a fabulous role model in the coaching industry. I just don't know if I could have found anyone better for me. And I've been really fortunate. My high school coach was Jim Logue, who I grew up with and who was a 1968 U.S. Olympic goaltender. And I, I was lucky enough to work with him as well at BC for 18 years. He, he's been an incredible mentor in my life. And then my college coach was Terry Mahar, who played at BU and had coached for 33 years at Bowdoin College. And to this day, I still talk to him once a week. And between Jim and Terry and Jerry, it's a, it's a great board of trustees for me, let's just say, that I, I can bounce a lot of my questions and, and different decisions I have to make. I can always bounce them off of them. Oh, that's great. Well, and, and hopefully you guys take a, can get a little bit of time in the offseason, find the golf course every now and then. And I'm sure you have great stories to reminisce on for sure. It is. And that is the fun part. I remember Jack Parker used to always say the best three things about being a hockey coach are June, July, and August. And that's when we can find time to do those things. I like that one. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll transition on. So back to UConn, of course, just all the success that you guys have been having. Just so, such an exciting time right now for you. And let's talk a little bit about the transition that you made to Hockey East. So that first happened in the 2014-15 season. And let's talk a, bit, a little bit about that. So you were there for that. And just what went into some of the decision making behind that and just how you kind of prepared for that to happen. Yeah. You know, what was interesting, Stephanie, was that my first year here, we were still in the Atlantic Hockey League. It was our last year in the Atlantic Hockey League. And that was probably the hardest year of coaching for me because I had spent my previous 18 years in Hockey East and I knew the league like the back of my hand. And then I came to the Atlantic Hockey League and I didn't know the bus trips. I didn't know the rinks. I didn't know the coaches and their style of play. And it was all foreign. At the same time, that's coupled with me being a first-time head coach. So it was really a challenging year. And the next year, we went into Hockey East, and which is a much tougher league than the Atlantic Hockey League. However, I felt so much more comfortable moving back into Hockey East because I just I knew the teams, and like I said, I knew the road trips and. I knew how teams played and I could prepare. I felt very confident preparing for teams in Hockey East, more so than I did in the Atlantic Hockey League. Well, that's great. And, and, and not to mention making the decision to join arguably the most competitive Division I league in men's college. That makes your story, I think, even that much more impressive. Yeah, and but that was – I wouldn't have taken the job if, if they weren't moving into Hockey East. I wanted that challenge, and as I said, I've – now, this is my ninth year at UConn in the league, and I spent so this is my twenty seventh year in the league. So it's something obviously I'm very familiar with, and I, I wouldn't have taken the job at UConn if they weren't moving into Hockey East, and I wasn't presented with that challenge. New England Hockey Journal's Rinkwise podcast will return after this message. Everyone knows getting hockey skates sharpened can be a hassle. Make it easier by sharpening your skates with the Sparks Sharpener. The Sparks Sharpener is safe, easy to use, and will save you time and money. 
It only costs about a dollar a sharpening, and you get an accurate, consistent sharpening every single time. Head over to SparksHockey.com and use the promo code RINKWISE at checkout to save $50. That's SparksHockey.com with the promo code RINKWISE and save $50. Catch the Sacred Heart University Pioneers on the ice this season. The Pioneers Division I men and women's hockey programs will not disappoint. Season ticket packages and individual tickets are on sale now at SacredHeartPioneers.com. And opening in 2023, Sacred Heart University's Martiri Family Arena, a brand new 122,000 square foot premier skating facility in Fairfield, Connecticut. Learn more at SacredHeartPioneers.com. Are you serious about playing your sport in college? Do you need a flexible education that allows you to maintain your practice and competition schedules while also preparing you to succeed at the next level? You should check out the University of Nebraska High School. UNHS is accredited and offers more than 100 online courses, including NCAA-approved courses to protect your academic eligibility. Students could earn a UNHS diploma or take a single course for transfer credit. Courses are college prep, self-paced, and available 24-7, 365. Enroll anytime and take up to a year to complete a course. Visit highschool.nebraska.edu today. Listen, everyone. I want to let you know about a great team that is training the next generation of hockey players. It's Bando Performance. Their experts work with hockey players at all levels, from youngsters to Olympians right on up to the pros. And I'm going to tell you how to get a great deal with them in just a sec. Bando Performance's small classes ensure the best odds for success for athletes looking to increase power and performance as well as their nutrition and health. It has the same high-tech equipment you'll find in NHL weight rooms that hockey players use to increase their strength, speed, and power. I told you I could save you some money on this, so listen up. Go to bando-performance.com and pick a training program that's right for you. And this is the good part. For RinkWise listeners, use the discount code BANDO30OFF to get a 30% discount. That's bando-performance.com with the code BANDO30OFF and see your performance improve immediately. I read a quote along the lines where I think with this whole transition from 2014 to where you are now, of course, last year competing in the first Hockey East Championship there, where you first started, you know, more so trying to convince the guys that they could win to now that's the expectation that you should be winning. And again, that just must, must be such a rewarding feeling that your vision really kind of came into fruition when you first first started that transition? Yeah, I think you have to have a belief. I remember reading a story about Mark Messier when he went to the Rangers, and nobody wanted to talk about winning a Stanley Cup. They thought that, like, that was going to jinx it. And he was like, no way. That's what we want. That's what we're talking that's what we're going to talk about, and that's what we're going to strive for. So from day one, I've always said, no, we, we want to win Hockey East, and we want to compete for a national championship, and that's what we're going to strive for in this program. Now, was it always realistic? Not necessarily. However, you can't lose sight of that goal. And I think you always have to have a microscope, and whereas like right now, Ohio State's in our microscope. They're next up. Then you have to have a telescope on – the national tournament and you got to have both of those and they got to be both prevalent in your day-to-day life 
uh, and you got to be preparing for both. I think that's really important. So I've always had, even when I came here, that telescope vision of I want to be playing in a national tournament and competing for a national trophy. But at the same token, you know, when I first got here, let's focus on winning an Atlantic championship. I want to try to win an Atlantic championship with that first team I had. So I always try to keep both of those, as I said, right on my desk at the same time. I got the microscope and the telescope and try to stay true to that. Well, it sounds like you're you're certainly doing a great job really getting your entire program bought into that. Great short-term goals, long-term goals. And I think that'll transition into our next point, which is you know, discussing the future of your program a little bit. And I want to mention some of the highlights that with your program since you've been there. So you've also been part of a lot of firsts. So for example, reaching 20 wins, which was matched as the highest total in the Division One era since you've been there. You led your team to 14-10-0 and zero record, which was also the best in Hockey East since joining the conference. And I was actually really, as a really big sports person, Mike, I was blown away by this next one. So seven of eight seasons, you have outperformed your preseason coaches poll prediction. That's incredible. And not to mention, who's choosing who's making these decisions with the poll if you're wrong seven out of eight times do you think you might want to change your your vote i don't think these people want to try their hand in vegas you know what i mean i think that's incredible so yeah well i just hopefully make it eight out of nine this year so <laughs> that's, that's our goal right now i think you're on you track know, i can't yeah i can't get caught up and i've told the team this all the time with, with those polls at the end of the at, at the end of the year there's only it's not the people who vote in the polls. It's not your opponent. The only one who's going to stop you from holding that trophy is you. We we control that. So that's what I try to tell them to focus on. Don't focus on polls. Don't focus on where we're at. I remember when a couple of years ago, people here were really upset we were not a top 20 team or they didn't get any votes in the poll. And some of that comes with we're not a blue blood. We, we, we're still relatively... Neo, neophytes in Division One college hockey, especially trying to be a top 20 team. And until you really get there over and over, I'm sure Quinnipiac experienced the same thing when they first started having success in the ECAC. They were probably very similar. I'd have to go back and look at it. And every year, I mean, it seems like some schools are going to get picked higher than you, but you can't focus on that. You just have to focus on being better today. Let's be better today than we were yesterday. And that's how we try to simplify it. Well, and I think if you, you certainly stick to that, you know, better than better today than you were yesterday, then hopefully we see a Hockey East championship in the near future for you guys. And dare I say that perhaps some of those polls and, and such have been great fuel to really further that desire and that passion to prove that. Yeah. And to some extent, yeah, you can play with a chip on your shoulder. There's no question that that can be a motivating factor but i try to tell my guys at the end of the day our success if we're going to have success this weekend it's going to be predicated on how we practice monday tuesday wednesday and thursday that's going to decide how successful we are not necessarily the chip on your shoulder or the slight you perceive you, you got to put the work in and that at the end of the day if we execute come friday and saturday we'll have a good chance to win. 
And of course, some really exciting news for your program. Come January, you guys are set to move into your new state-of-the-art facility. So that yeah. sounds really exciting, again, for the future of your program. And tell us what that will mean to you and, and your future as you continue to build this program to be a real premier. I, I think everybody's talked about recruiting and one of the, how it's going to help you in recruiting. I, I think, I, of course it will. I've always said, if someone offers you a million dollar home and someone offers you a hundred thousand dollar home and you don't have to pay the taxes and it's totally free for you going forward, you're going to take the million dollar home most of the time. Most people will. So I think that's my analogy for at least now we're going to get people to come visit because, hey, they, they have a very, their facilities on par with anybody else's facility in the league. That being said, I think we've proven here that you win with people and you win with the right people. It's not necessarily the facility or the material items that you might have that are going to help you win. It's, it's winning with the right people. So I want to make sure we're continuing to recruit the right people here to the University of Connecticut. Where the facility, I think, in, in two ways is really going to benefit us and the things that I'm most excited about in the future is, one, our current players are going to have a state-of-the-art facility to develop their game and, the, and as people as far as having the proper training weight, a training room where there's a hydrotherapy area where they can get, work on their body and do the right things there. We're going to have a, a club lounge that we're going to be able to have proper meals at, just a locker room that they can hang around because right now there's really no place for our players to, uh, they come in for practice. There's no, really no place for them to sit around and socialize in a comfortable area. So they're going to have that. So they're going to have a shooting room. They're going to have all of the amenities and resources you need to fully develop to be the best person you want to be. So for my, our players, I'm really excited. The second piece of it, I'm so excited for our student body. It's just so hard for them. And, and I sympathize with them because I think back to my college days, I don't think I'd get on a bus on a Tuesday night to travel a half hour to go watch a hockey game. And now they're going to be able to walk 100 yards out of their dorm and come support our team. And I think that not only is that going to be great for our players to have the student body, because we all know that they create the atmosphere in most rinks, but it's building your fan base for years going down the line. All those kids who have come to, while they're here for their four years, coming to the games and enjoying the games, they'll be coming back wanting to do the same thing as they graduate. So being able to play in front of our student body is going to be really important for us. That all sounds just incredibly exciting. It really, really m makes you want to be part of that environment down there in Connecticut. But we can't wait to see that. And I think you you highlighted just such great points that you're, you're your structure in place right now with your people, your players, your coaches, et cetera, is always, it's currently just such a great culture. And now adding this in, it just seems to coincide, I think, at the right time and right opportunity to now, I think, take your program to hopefully a new level. Yeah, we wanted to be contenders. When I, when I got the job here, I said, there are going to be three, three components to this team and, and three objectives that we will never waver from it. And one is to graduate players. If you come into college, you're here to get a degree, first and foremost. If you're not, turn pro or go play major junior. So all my players know that 
my expectation is that they're coming here to get a degree. And that doesn't mean they can't turn pro. We have everything in place here where they can finish their degree, especially now with online options. So that's one thing that I'm really is important to me. Two is to make them better men. I want, I want to grow them as people off the ice. I think that's really important. I never, ever want them to leave here and say the best four years of their life was at UConn. I want them to say the next four years of their life is the best four years. And because of the foundation that we've helped build here at UConn, that's helped them succeed in the next four years of their life, whatever they might do. And lastly, we want to compete for trophies and on, a, on an annual basis. And that that's come a little slower than, than we've wanted. But I do feel that, as I said earlier, we're on the precipice of being a national contender year in and year out. Well, Coach, that's very, very inspiring. This has been just a great conversation so far. And just I've, I've never heard that before. The next four years, you want it to be the best in their lives. And again, just very inspiring with your vision. And kind of one of the last points that we do want to talk about is, of course, we can't discuss the full landscape of your program and the success without highlighting some of the big impact players that you have. So last last year you you did graduate some big players but you certainly have a lot returning and it sounds that you guys have also landed four transfers that could potentially have a big impact for your program so just a couple names that we have highlighted here so Ryan Treberg, Hudson Shandor, Roman Canal, Jake Flynn do you want to talk about that a little bit at all some of your big returners coming back in leadership I think the hallmark of a good program and I think we're able to do this at BC for a number of years, everyone said, oh, you're going to lose Nathan Kirby or you're losing Patrick Eves or you're losing this guy. And when you're building from within, I remember, here's a great example on the 2010 national championship team. Our fourth line was Paul Carey, who played a number of years in the NHL, Pat Mullane, who was like a 140 point scorer in college and Stephen Whitney who was an All-American, I believe, at at BC. But they were our fourth line that year because on the first line was Joey Whitney and Brian Gibbons and Cam Atkinson. And then you had Chris Kreider and Jimmy Hayes and Ben Smith. So they they weren't getting the minutes, but when it becomes their time to get the minutes that those guys got, now you see them blossom into great players. And, And I think for my years coaching against Dick Humilly, I think he was always very, very good at that, of developing from within and all of a sudden you'd have this junior who had 25 goals and you'd be like, where'd this guy come from? But he was biding his time and learning the program, the the system and the culture of the program. And then when it was his time to shine, he did. And I think a lot of people are talking about Chase Bradley and Nick Capone and Ryan Torberg was an all American last year. He's a great player, but you know, Chase Bradley and Nick Capone now have had a couple of great weeks for us. And I said, all along, they were great players. It's just last year, they were playing behind Kondalik and Evans and Turnbull and Fierstov and O'Neill and Gatcomb. So there was six seniors that were ahead of them getting the important minutes. And now, now it's their time. And now you're seeing them shine. So if we can continue to build from within, I think that's what makes you a program where when you graduate a lot of good players, you don't really lose a whole lot because you have guys ready to step in and take their place. So that's something that we're trying to develop here. And to your point, yeah, we've got a lot of, I think, veteran leadership on defense. Uh, we have five guys that have played a lot of minutes in Hockey East, and we're breaking in a couple freshmen. But 
we're not counting on them to play the big minutes. We have guys with experience to, to play those minutes. And Jake Flynn's a, and two of the guys you mentioned, Roman, Jake, and Hudson are three of our captains. And, and Ty Monty was elected as a captain as well. So we have excellent leadership. That must be such just a great feeling as a coach sitting in your position for numerous reasons. Number one, love the comment of you developing your kid from start to finish. And that's a true testament to your coaching ability. And again, not to mention you've outperformed what your counterparts predicted your team to finish in the polls. That That is a testament to a great coach. And I'll just say that. So anyone that can develop talent from the ground up is a, is a great coach. You also are regarded by your colleagues as one of the top and premier recruiters in the country. But how amazing to be sitting in your position, knowing that you have strong leaders, veterans in place, and not to mention they've got a taste of success. They they know how to win. They know how to play in big games. I just think it's very exciting. It's going to be very exciting to follow you guys this season and see what those guys can do because they have to be motivated to come back and want to prove people wrong again and win this year. Yeah, and I said all along, I remember – I remember it vividly. My first year at BC, I think, was 95-96. Yeah. So my first year at BC was 95-96. And we had a, we were below 500. We, I'm trying to think. I think we upset, no, we lost in the playoffs at Providence. And then the following year, I believe we were right around 500. We beat Merrimack. We upset Merrimack in the playoffs. And then New Hampshire manhandled us in the semifinals at the Garden. We were no match for it. Then the following year, we went on a run and we won the Hockey East Championship. And then we were went to overtime with Michigan in the national championship game. And after that year, it was like the whole mentality of the program flipped. It was, hey, we deserve to be here. We've done this. We're getting back here. And we wound up going to four frozen fours in a row. And a lot of that's just the belief that, no, we we believe that we're going to be here because we're good enough to be here and we know what it takes to get there. And I think last year was that moment for us where we finally broke through and we had not won a hockey's playoff game. And not only did we not, not only did we win the hockey's playoff game against BU, but we went into the garden and we showed that wasn't a big stage for, I mean, it wasn't too big for us. We were able to handle that well and have a big winner over Northeastern and then come within an overtime goal. It was eerily reminiscent of like that year in 98 when we lost in the garden on an overtime goal. But I felt like the players at that point really believed that UConn's a program that's going to get here year in and year out. And when you get to that point, it makes things a lot easier when you're not hoping to win, but you're expecting to win contagious almost that's success you get it you get a taste of it it's contagious and lastly just with four transfers in this year so a vermont captain andrew lucas on defense bu's ty amonti yale grad justin pearson and a main product adam daw do you think they'll have a impact on your your team this year what role necessarily do you think they'll they'll have in your team's success yeah they already have all, all four of them and you know it's going to be interesting. One of the things that's happened here through COVID is that a lot of these kids have been granted an extra year of eligibility and in two years, that'll go away. Right. And it'll be interesting that we won't see the number of grad transfers we see now in two years, but in the short term, 
it's really allowed us to fill some holes with some experience. Otherwise, we would have been filling those holes with younger guys. And that's always tougher. It's it's much easier to put in a Justin Pearson or a Tiamonte or an Adam Daw, especially in this league, Andrew, Adam, and Ty played a lot of minutes in this league. It, this is a very familiar, as I was talking about, Earlier for me, when I went from, it was tough to go in the Atlantic Hockey League. I didn't know that league. These guys know the league. They know the bus trips. They know everything. So it's a very seamless transition for them. Now, Justin's played a lot in a lot of the buildings. I haven't been at Yale. or play a lot of non-league games against Hockey East teams. So he has some familiarity with it. And it's just easier when you're a grad student, the pressure of if you look back your freshman year, your head spinning, like, where where is this class? I don't even know what this building is on campus. I'm trying to find that. And what your expectations are from the professors and the curriculum's different, where when you're a grad, you've been through that. So that's not so much of an issue for you, and you can really focus on hockey. So they they've all been some additions to our program. Yeah, and that's a great point with the uh, the transfer portal and just such a treat to really be able to add even more depth, more experience. So just an already good veteran experience and leadership that you have and being able to add these players sounds like a really potential recipe for success, for further success this year, hopefully. Yeah, and it'll be interesting in a couple of years because when it goes away, you know, you're going to we're going to have to revert back to filling those holes with young kids, and it certainly will be different. Well, I think with the long-term vision of your program and all the exciting things to come in the future, we have no doubt that you will continue to have great success with the program. And uh, Coach, it's been an absolute delight to talk hockey with you this morning. Stephanie, same here, and I appreciate all you and the staff does for New England hockey and promoting the sport. I think it's really important, and keep up the good work. We we really appreciate that. And just a very inspiring leader and just so interesting to learn on your vision. And I learned a lot here from, from speaking with you this morning. So again, we want to thank you so much and wish you the best of luck this season. I have a feeling that once again, you will prove people wrong with the preseason polls. So can't wait to follow. I hope you're right. Have a great day. Thank you. You as well. And that does it for this edition of Rinkwise. Our podcast is produced by David Yass. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Any Hockey Journal and subscribe online at NewEnglandHockeyJournal.com. I'm your host, Stephanie Wood. Rinkwise is a Siemens Media Production.